You know, there's always, isn't there, cautionary tales of wasted lives, and of course, inspiring tales of lives well lived. Uh, I remember a, a few years ago uh, reading the sad story of the wife of the Tetra Pak heir. Um, the couple were the heirs to the five billion pound Tetra Pak drink packaging empire. Uh, the couple were some of the most wealthy and most privileged members of British society. And at one stage, she was arrested for trying to smuggle cocaine into the United States Embassy in the UK. Uh, so I would have thought that's not a great idea. Uh, I don't know if you're worth five billion, why you need to be doing that. Well, anyhow, tragically in 2012, she was found dead in her Chelsea home of a drug overdose. And it was a reminder to me that the wealth to which so many people aspire had only brought uh, misery and suffering and infamy and addiction. It reminds me of the old adage, it takes one generation to create a fortune, one generation to maintain it, and one generation to waste it away. Uh, as Spider-Man once said, to whom much is given, much is required. Uh, actually, that quote does come from Spider-Man, but originally, where does it come from? It does, it does, Evie, top of the class. Uh, Jesus said that before Spider-Man said that in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is required, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Uh, I wonder if for you during this lockdown, whether you've had a chance to think about how you are spending, or maybe I should say investing your life. Uh, with what you have been given, what do you feel is required of your life? Uh, a bunch of us have just finished the reframe course from Regent College on allowing the biblical story to reshape our story. And a lot of the course focused on this idea that all of our lives matter as a part of God's story of renewing all things. Uh, we follow a God who cares, the course said, uh, not just about engineers, but a God who actually cares about good engineering. A God who cares not just about lawyers, but cares about good and just laws. So our work matters. Our lives matter with what we do with them. Uh, yes, obviously they should matter in regards to spiritual things. Uh, but God also cares about what we create, what we invest, how we steward this good creation and the lives that we have been given. Um, just this last week, we were all inspired on Reframe by a car salesman named Don Flo. It's not every day that you say how inspired you've been by a car salesman. Uh, but he's a Christian businessman, graduate of Regent College, and Don owns 40 car dealerships on the East Coast of America. And he asked himself early on, what does it mean to run my business in a distinctly Christian way? He asked, how do we demonstrate the love of Christ in the way that we operate? Uh, in the way that we treat our staff. Uh, he started at his father's one-car dealership as a lowly technician, and he is now one of the wealthiest businessmen in all of North Carolina. So he has certainly taken what has been given to him and multiplied it to great effect, but not just financially. He did a bunch of things uh, in terms of ethical business practice, like putting transparency and pricing in place and limits on profitability. 
And he stated that as opposed to profit maximization being the focus, he says everything that we do has to have the well-being of our customers at the center. The well-being of our staff and the well-being of the community that we live in. He said profit was not the purpose for us. Profit in a company, he said, is like blood in a human being. You don't wake up saying, I live for my blood. But at the same time, you can't live without blood. So for him, the purpose is not defined by profit alone, although they must be profitable. His goal is to run the kind of company that the community wished existed if it was not there. So a life well lived. You know, uh, just a, a car dealer, Christian guy, started out with one dealership, now has 40 dealerships. And to me, he is a model of what it looks like to live with a kingdom focus. And that's really what today's passage is all about. It's about using the gifts and the blessings and the opportunities that we are given well for our master, who is our heavenly father. It gets us to think about what we're doing with our lives, not just our wealth, uh, as we will talk about, but the totality of what we have been given as the people of God. You know, what's it mean to have our educations, our families, our strengths, our community life, our giftings, our service, our careers, our generosity, our homes, and so on, all focused into seeing a multiplication of kingdom. You know, it's been said that the lowest form of life, the lowest form of life is the pleasurable life. You know, where our focus is on just getting a nice house and a nice car and maintaining our privilege, uh, never looking beyond ourselves. But the highest form of life is to have taken our strengths and opportunities and then to build something and do that to be used for the benefit of not just ourselves, but of others. Our goal should be to want to get to the place where life has meaning because you are using your gifts in such a way that others are blessed. And in doing so, you have invested the totality of your life for great causes and purposes. Let me say that again. You have invested the totality of your life well, or you've had a crack. You've had a crack with what you've been given. So let's have a look at this passage and get some insights into what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of heaven. Quick recap of the story. Three servants are given five, two, and one bags of gold while their master goes away. On his return, the first two servants have doubled what they are entrusted with and are rewarded for being good stewards of their wealth. But the final servant buries his bag of gold and has nothing to show with what he was entrusted with. He's punished and he is called a wicked and lazy servant. So some insights into this parable. I think it's fair to say that the wealth that is entrusted to the servants is about what we do with our money, but more broadly, what we do with all of our life. The New Testament scholar David Wenham, uh, I think he was either Oxford or Cambridge, I can't remember. But he points out that the Greek word is talanta, uh, which was the equivalent of the wages of a working man for 10 years. So one bag of gold, one talent, was what you would earn maybe in an entire 10 years. So for the first servant, the master is giving 100 years worth of income in one go. 
So this is about a life's worth of value, about what you do with all that God has entrusted you with. Or as, as, as Wenham says, this is about how we spend our lives. And our master, who is our heavenly father, has given all of us incredible gifts and wealth and opportunities. Now, not everyone, as this parable makes clear, is given by God the same life's opportunities and choices. And it says in one sense, we are all given things according to our abilities. So the first two servants have the same attitude to what they were given. Uh, you know, it's sometimes easy to fall into the trap of playing the comparison game. You know, so-and-so was given so much more than me in life. I think of my own life. Uh, it has in one sense been ridiculous, the opportunities to which I have been entrusted. And uh, I compare that to my friend, Fred in Kenya, who's doing great and he's in university, but there are so many hurdles to achieving what he could in his life. But what is important in this parable is not the fairness of life's opportunities or the giftings or the blessings, but it's what you do with what you have been given by God. So the first two uh, invest their wealth wisely, they invest their lives wisely, and it brings a great return from what they have been given. To whom much is been given, much is required. And they pass the test of faithfulness. And it's emphasized that for those who are good investors, they will be entrusted with even more responsibility. And you often see that, don't you? Uh, just as those who squander what they have been given aren't usually then given more to squander, those who invest their lives wisely often are then presented with an array of opportunities that then get opened up to them. You know, Don Flo, that businessman, he has ended up on the board of universities. He has developed um, properties in downtown areas um, that where poverty had kind of set in. He's initiated programs for disadvantaged youths, programs to keep entrepreneurs from his town leaving and helping them to stay in their communities. He's become a man of influence, overtly Christian, for good, for the kingdom of God, to whom much is given, much is required, and for those found faithful, more will be given. The final servant, on the other hand, is lazy and wicked. He treads water, if you like. He neither loses the wealth, but nor does he gain more wealth for his master. He buries what is entrusted to him, never allowing the opportunity for growth or for multiplication with his life. You know, this servant is reprimanded for not doing what was expected of him. He's called lazy and wicked and useless. You know, clearly the master is not into falsely building up this guy's self-esteem. But it shows, does it not, the need for work and productivity with what you're entrusted with as opposed to laziness and timidity. You know, this is Matthew 5.15. Don't hide your lamp under a bowl. You know, use what God has given you. Let your light shine. Have a crack. Now, just as an aside, it's interesting to me how many of Jesus' parables are about the growth and spread of the kingdom. Yeast that spreads throughout the dough. 
a small seed that is planted that then grows to become the largest tree in the garden where all the birds of the air can find a place to rest and be home. Seed that is scattered and meant to produce a crop of a hundredfold, a banquet where more and more and more and more people are to be invited and to find room at the table. And so if we are to think of our lives in terms of kingdom terms, we should not shy away from wanting to see the kingdom of God coming through how we invest our lives. You know, one of the blessings of the Reframe course, which we'll run again and I'd really encourage you to do, is the way that it has talked about the other six days of our lives, not just Sundays. It isn't that church isn't important. It isn't that evangelism isn't important. It isn't that growing in your spiritual gifts isn't important. But God actually makes us stewards of all creation. And so we are to participate in every aspect of our lives in creating resources and opportunities in being a blessing where God has placed us. You know, Christians through history have always applied their Christian imaginations to this task of creating a more just, a more kind, a more gospelized community and culture where they live. And it, it does take Christian imagination. You know, you might be a nurse or a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer. You might be an entrepreneur. What we're encouraged to do is to apply Christian imagination to whatever we might do so that the kingdom of God might get extended through what we have in our hands. It's why they've opened schools and hospitals and orphanages and youth clubs. They've created businesses that cared for employees and created social benefit. I remember, um, oh gosh, 15 years ago, I was up in Birmingham in the UK. And just outside or in Birmingham is the Cadbury factory. And you can go to the original site where Cadbury chocolate bars were made and kind of explore their history and see how chocolate is made and all that. And the Cadbury story is a fascinating history. Uh, the Cadbury family were Protestant Christians. They were Quakers, to be exact. And beside gifting to the world chocolate bars, which is pretty cool in itself, they were at the forefront of treating their staff with unheard of dignity and opportunities. In fact, you know, it's funny, the original three big chocolate companies, I can't think of the other two, but they all came out of Quaker families. You know, if you're from America, you know Quaker oats and, and all the stuff that the Quaker Protestants uh, did with, with, with manufacturing. And so you go to this Cadbury factory and they built an entire village of homes and schools and churches for their employees to save them from, in George Cadbury's words, the evils of modern, more cramped living conditions. There's a little taste of kingdom of heaven on earth, right? They, 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 they looked after their employees. They cared for them. They created an equitable wage and living conditions. And it was their Christian imagination being applied to their business. So what's the dream that God has placed on your life? Uh, this isn't about comparing yourself to others, but asking with what God has given me, what am I doing to steward it well? Look, just as I close, let me consider three areas of our lives, family, work, and church. And, you know, there's so many other areas of our lives, recreation, health, creativity, friendship, uh, finances, beating Sterling at the swim. You know, there's so many things that we want to apply our lives to. 
but with a vision for investing what God has given to us in these three areas, what would it look like to steward the gifts that God has given you well when it comes to family, work, and church? You know, it could be said that the Christian life is about growing in responsibility. The Christian life is about growing in responsibility uh, with what's been entrusted to you. You know, in family, whatever that may look like for you, whether you're single, part of an extended family, married, kids, a couple, whatever you are, you know, what does it look like? We have such an opportunity to live counterculturally and kingdom oriented that people might look at our families and ask questions. You know, the template obviously being Abraham, who enters a covenant to be blessed by God in order to be a blessing to all families on earth. So you apply your Christian imagination. What could your family do to invest what you have for multiplication? Maybe your family will get involved in a great cause. Yeah, I, like, I love families that are involved in causes. Uh, or being the kind of home that is open and that allows other kids and families to be welcomed in and blessed. You know, not every family might have the same um, warmth and care. Maybe your family is the one that breaks generational patterns of sin and starts a whole new family lineage that knows and walks with God, right? How can you invest whatever your family may look like to be used wisely and faithfully for the kingdom of God? Consider your work. You know, we've already talked about Don Flo. We've already talked about Cadbury. You know, if you go to the Guinness factory in Ireland, guess who Guinness was started by? A Christian businessman. And the reason he started Guinness was because it was such a heavy drink that you couldn't drink as many and therefore it helped alleviate some of the drunkenness on the streets of Belfast, on the streets of Dublin, you know? And again, a Christian, yeah, so with Christian imagination, what would it look like to not simply tread water, but to be someone who uses the totality of your life to be a blessing? You know, whether that be creating cultural change in your workplace or as a business owner, taking Christian ethics and applying it to all that you do. You know, imagine being a, a, a used car salesman or not a, a car, new car salesman, I should say, and putting profitability caps in place or transparency in pricing. You know, what does it, what does it look like? Your legacy with your professional career may be a changed direction for your entire industry. Or it may be earning great amounts of money and generously giving it away. Or it may be deep and profound impacts on the lives of all who meet you through your Monday to Friday, your nine to five. And then obviously faith. I mean, you know, obviously this is a kingdom parable. And so it is going to be about our spiritual lives. And it's spiritually worth noting that we are to be seekers first of the kingdom of God. Matthew 7. The expectation is that every servant puts what he is given to use for God's redemptive plans of making all things new. Paul in Romans 12, 3 to 8 talks about spiritual gifts that are given to each of us variously and he urges us to put them to use. Ephesians 4, 7 to 8 speaks of Christ and his ascension giving gifts. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace just being the word for a gift. And so as the kingdom grows and as the church gets on with the mission of God, how are you investing the totality of your life towards the growth of the people of God? 
Uh, undoubtedly, you have things and ideas and ways to serve and bless that are unique and totally needed if we are to fulfill our mission. You know, here's the truth with this whole thing. You know, this wonderful parable. We're taking what has been given to us in life and investing it and sowing it and using it wisely for God. As we step out, as opposed to sitting on what has been given to us, you are never really probably sure and you are never really ready. But at what point do you say, I'm going to take a stand and have a crack? <laughs> That's so odd, isn't it? Have a crack. Have a crack. See, at the end of your life, the resources you had are not your own. They are your master's and they will be returned to him. But by gosh, I hope for all of us, we will have had a go. We will have had a go for God's sake. Have a crack. Don't tread water. Start sowing for life. You want to live and there's no better time to start than now. Let the Spirit of God breathe upon your life, your faithfulness, and see what happens. So as we come into land, what's the challenge of this parable? How do we go from burying our gold to bringing a great return to our master? My guess for a lot of us, the key is implementation. You know, you know what God is calling you to. How do you transform inspiration to reality? The power of any idea is in implementation. It is overcoming fear and beginning to invest the totality of your life for something greater than the ordinary, pleasurable Northern Beaches life. And my guess is success or failure will not be a one-off event. It'll be about chipping away, about learning from your mistakes, but having a go and having a crack. We need to get those regular rhythms. And often the result may be repeated failure. But as we set goals, as we have accountability, we take some decisive, immediate action and just see what God can do as he breathes on the dreams and plans of your life. Matthew 25, 23, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen. Amen.